Welcome back to Brailcast, the official podcast of the Brailists Foundation. My name's Matthew Horsepool, and coming up this time... Now, they also make these stays and styluses that I've been seeing everywhere. So I've been travelling to all sorts of different places and thinking, well, how, how come they can get a, a 27 by 27 or something like that line stylus for 100 rupees? And it, it all came from the worst trust. An exploration of Braille usage in southern India. If you've been following Brailleists Foundation events recently, you'll be aware that we've been hosting a number of sessions thanks to a grant from the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. But why is the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust interested in the Brailleists Foundation? In September 2017, Ed Rogers, Managing Director of Bristol Braille Technology CIC and himself a Fellow of the WCMT, undertook a four-week trip around India to discover more about Braille usage in that part of the world and to ask the question, what can we in Britain learn from the Indian experience with Braille? The trip was well documented at the time on the Braillists Forum, was presented in a paper at the CSUN conference in 2018 and subsequently reported back to WCMT. Nearly four years on, the findings from that trip are continuing to shape the activities of the Braillists Foundation. We recently discovered an unpublished recording of Ed's CSUN presentation in our archives and are delighted to be able to present it on this episode of Brailcast, with apologies for the small amount of interference which can be heard from time to time. I'm going to talk a little bit about the future of Braille, but really all about uh, Braille in the present, specifically in India. Um, I'm going to try and persuade you that what happens at the moment in India is perhaps more important than many people in America and the UK, where I'm from, give it credit for <clears throat> in terms of Braille innovation. And especially that it will, it will, over the coming years, become increasingly influential around the rest of the English-speaking world, most particularly. So last August and September, I travelled to around uh, cities in southern India, uh, which is a trip sponsored by the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. These, uh, this trust supports people from Commonwealth countries to travel to other countries to, uh, to learn how they do something in their own specialised field, in my case, Braille, in order to bring useful information back for your own community. So in my case, Braille using people in the United Kingdom. I wanted to understand two things from the trip. One, why were so many interesting inventions coming out of India at the moment? Where were they, where were, where were they in terms of progress? And could these inventions also apply in my own um, community and people who we work with and for who might really benefit from some of these technologies? Secondly, how was bail being used currently in India? And I knew very little about this. I had assumptions entirely unchecked. So my own company, Bristol Braille Technology, has the goal of helping to reverse the decline in Braille use around, uh, around the world by the creation of more affordable Braille devices. And um, we basically I bought a Canute multi-line uh, Braille display with me today. Now, I wanted to know, could the Canute conceivably and other products like it be useful to some, uh, some institutions and schools in India? So a little background on me. I am the Managing Director of Bristol Braille Technology and uh, we've been building the Canute for the last six years. This is the world's first 
multi-line bell display is almost ready. We're starting the pilot program uh, now. And this is, this is a very personal project. Uh, to go, the, the trip to India was very personal to me because the Canute was directly inspired by the work of two or three Indian inventors who I've been watching and talking to over the last couple of years, and I thought, or the last 10 years. And I really wanted to, to go over and learn more about that. I'm also a member of the Brailis Foundation, which is a group of 600-odd people in the United Kingdom, but also now quite a few in America, who are trying to promote Braille use and reverse at least the, the um, perception of Braille's decline. So I assume most people here know about the importance of Braille. We know that to many people, Braille is literacy, it means education, and it can mean employment. And yet, all around the world, there is a real or perceived decline in Braille's use and in its promotion. New technologies, such as text-to-speech, have played their part in this decline, perhaps, uh, as has the move to inclusive education, some will say. Uh, but it has long been my belief that the severely high cost of Braille equipment and the stagnation of its development over the last few decades has been one of the primary causes of Braille's, um, Braille's possible decline in many areas. So just think for a minute about the means for writing Braille and how that has broadly failed to evolve over the last few decades. We have slates. They are cheap, portable, simple, uh, they're still widely used in America and in India and many parts of the world. But elsewhere, such as in the UK, they have effectively fallen into disuse. They have their fans, and I'm one of them, I've got one in my pocket. But regardless of that, the slow writing speed, the reverse writing style, and whatever the reasons are, they're just not being used as they once were. We have Perkins. These are excellent devices. They were excellent in 1950 as well. They're dependable. They are high quality. They also weigh eight pounds and they're made out of cast iron. Uh, and we have embossers. They're very expensive. Um, they produce paper braille, but they're, they're very expensive and noisy. And that gives us a device for about $10, which is equivalent of a 50 cent pen. Gives us a device for about $700, which is the, well, it's a, it's a typewriter and it's impractical, if only because it's weight in many cases and for several thousand dollars, you can get the equivalent of a $50 printer. For reading Braille, it is not much better, of course. We have paper Braille, which takes up an entire bookshelf, where a print volume would only take up a single pocketable volume. And we have digital Braille, which costs um, as much or more than an embosser and gives you only a single line. Uh, and so, to my, uh, my explorations of Braille technology and Braille use in India. As most of us will know, India has um, a population um, many times the size of the, of the United States, and it has the largest population blind people in the world, I understand. Uh, it is a developing nation without the relative resources given to its population to support the blind population with the sorts of generous schemes you get in some of the countries, um, such as Scandinavian countries, even in, even in the United States, to provide for some of those equipment we just talked about before. It has a well-established education system for sighted and blind children, for adults and children, a large, uh, very skilled workforce in a huge number of technology companies, charities, and other organizations with the capacity to develop solutions for those sorts of problems that we have been talking about. India, therefore, it seems to me, uh, 
the problems of distributing and reading Braille is writ larger, but also, I think, the potential solutions are also writ larger. So just a quick caveat. My interest in this is in new Braille inventions primarily, and that's why I went over there. And this is a snapshot of the people I spoke to and their attitudes. This is not a comprehensive report in any sense. What I want to impress upon people is that we should be more interested in developments happening outside of the United States and Europe and, and, and um, Korea. So I hope to discover what Braille means and how it was used amongst the largest uh, population of blind people in the world. Specifically understand how Braille is distributed to children, adults, urban and rural, rich and poor. But most of all, I really wanted to discover about, to, to, find, to find out um, who was making these inventions, uh, which I had been, uh, to, which I've been hearing about, especially things such as the Touche, Project Mudra, the Braille Me, um, and less directly, of course, inventions that are being manufactured in India, if, uh, such as the Orbit Reader 20 of School, Caliper, and many more. And I wanted to be able to share this with my own community for their benefit. My first example of, um, of someone I visited was I visited Uma and Madhu from uh, Mitra Dorothy in Bangalore. It's a charity set up in the 90s. And I'm going to have to try and remember to keep up with my slides. So do remind me if it seems like I haven't changed it for half an hour. It's a charity set up in the 90s to help blind people get employment, education, and life skills. They're not a school, they do run classes. So Uma and Madhu spoke to me um, for some time. They were very generous, giving me a walk around their facilities. There's like several floors, and it has dorms, and people come in from outside of town to, to learn about um, computer literacy, general literacy, to learn braille equipment. So I asked their opinion on um, schooling especially. And they were adamant, their belief that blind children should be spent, sent to specialist schools at least until primary school level before entering inclusive education later on. Uh, in their experience, this is as a result of their experience, um, blind children in India who have come through the former have have confidence in education uh, in excess of their peers who only go through the latter. In other words, they were huge fans of specialist education, which really provided for special specialist braille support within those classrooms. Um, inclusive blind schools in India um, do not necessarily have the equivalent of um, a QTVI uh, on hand. Now, as I learned from some others, there is a new scheme coming in, which I don't know enough about to report on that much, but that, this may be changing. But um, the schools do not necessarily have the special support for a blind child, and this obviously could exacerbate or even cause what the, the, the problem they found, which was the reason to, for, um, uh, for specialist education at, at the primary level. So they, the, the majority, their real aim is to try and distribute Braille um, as far as possible, and they also support CD, uh, people with CDs and, and, um, and so on. And they have a Braille printing press, and this goes up to 200 uh, readers, these readers from many states, and they, they really focus on, on um, people outside of Bangalore who cannot necessarily get the support because they're, from, they're in rural areas, and it's obviously very, um, <clears throat> very difficult to travel in and get that kind of support. So they, they're very much about um, supporting um, 
rural uh, uh, blind people coming into the city. Um, so the equipment they use for this. Now, this is obviously where where I get where I get really interested is that you know what, what sort of what sort of braille equipment are they using? Well, there was no electronic braille at all. Um, this is not particularly surprising given the cost of electronic braille. Uh, their price, as Uma mentioned to me, um, was the obvious barrier. There was this, this was more surprising to me, um, and this just shows my naivety. There was no there were no brailers either. Um, there was a there was one Perkins brailer on the office of the um, the, um, the managing director, and that that was it. That, now this is despite the all the brailers being made quite close by. But there were all um, there were a huge number of full-size braille slates. Now these are being used um, all across the various places I went to, um, uh, and is very much the primary way of reading, <coughs> of writing braille at the moment. And I have to say that I, I, I wish we had some more braille, braille um, slates being used in the UK at the moment. These things um, over there they would cost around about a. 15th or 20th of what it would cost to get that in the UK. So, Mitchell Jyoti, as I, as I mentioned, really see the importance of barrel use, but they, according to their perception, they have seen a deterioration in use across India, at least across the states that they supported. And um, they equated barrel use amongst blind children quite closely to superior reading skills and writing skills. Uh, which is not, which is very familiar to any of us who work in any other country, I think. So we chatted a bit more about uh, what could be useful technology if you're if you're looking at um, either either this is a technology coming from outside into India or something that could be developed within India. And 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 we we were talking about this, and Uma especially was very keen on seeing a tactile, a full, high resolution tactile graphics display that would cost under three hundred dollars, which sounds great. Um, but we shall have to see, right? So what was interesting though was there was no real interest in integrating graphics and Braille that I found. It was very much about the separate, um, which is quite different from in the, in the States. There was also a lot of interest in many places for a more affordable Brailler. And I actually um, went to visit um, some uh, a, a, really, a fascinating couple called Sabri and Paul, who met while Sabri, who was a, uh, a blind lady, was doing a, a, um, a horse riding tour around, uh, around Tibet on her own, um, and having recently invented the first Tibetan braille script, so she's quite a lady. And she and Paul had been putting their heads together and trying to come up with a braille, a braille uh, brailer which was more affordable. And they, they're one of several people who, um, who had been developing this. But if you trace it back and you try and work out what happened to the designs that, that, that sort of these things, well, they often would go to um, suppliers who, or assemblers who were leaned on elsewhere and these things were never made. Now, whether or not they could have worked, the point is they don't get developed fully. There is, unfortunately, this, I think many of us might have assumed this at some point, there has been other technologies which may have conceivably more affordable which have been maybe too inconvenient to be pursued. And this is not um, restricted to India, but that was one example that I found. So another um, uh, example of, um, of extracurricular um, support being provided to uh, Braille readers was the Louis Braille Home. 
which is um, which is in Velour. Now, Mrs. Navanitham was um, met me and explained to me how this worked. And now her, her setup was that many um, many uh, students who want who want to come in to the universities um, from out into from rural areas obviously find that quite difficult. Uh, with the, to travel all that way in and to find accommodation. So the home was especially to basically to give um, a, a shared um, dorm where everyone can stay together, where you can have some braille equipment and they can still go to the, to the, uh, the university in, in the city. Now, what, what she would do is she would be providing um, the support for the actual materials. So... Under 18 years of age, according to the Louis Braille Home, under 18 years of age, Braille is widely used by students that she supports at least. But once it goes to over 18, it falls off and this tends to be replaced by iPad use. Um, so by her estimation, schools may still use Braille, but colleges are less, less likely to. So she supports college students. They might take notes on Slate and Stylus, assuming this was, they, they, that, that was taught but they won't be giving materials necessarily in Braille by their college. They can get general books from people like the RNIB or Christian Missions or the NAB. You know, there are, there are general books, but there aren't course, there are, there are not um, specific textbooks necessarily. So her job, and I don't envy it her, or rather her, her calling, was to provide copies of relevant sections of the text um, for those individual students and to Braille them out manually on the Perkins and then to provide them that. So obviously, largely I assume to avoid chronic risk cramps, she would only do the critical bits for specific sections. So that's a, um, one of the ad hoc services which people provide around that. And um, again, it, it starts to seem a little familiar for, pe for people um, outside, um, outside of India as well, some of these, the ways some of these services have to be to provide extra braille support when you're in college. Um, and I'll, a brief thing for those who are interested about the, um, uh, the, the way that um, the government helps fund these, um, um, these students. Well, I, can't, I haven't cross-checked this, but this is, a, um, according to Louis Braille Home, we have 1,000 rupees a month from the government. Um, and that, you, you have to go into an office, though, to pick up a cheque or the cash. There's a new scheme going out to make it so that it's, more, it's easier to go in and get that. So that's... Um, that creates a difficulty around signing in and makes it more difficult to be able to, to get to education. So I want to move on to my probably my um, one of my favourite um, inventions that I that, that I um, oh, oh look I forgot my size. <laughs> there we go. So this is the touche. This is one of this is one of a number of inventions um, which I find is very exciting. This was um, shown to me by Paul Sosa, uh, and this is a 20-cell single-line Braille note-taker. It uses built-in transcription, and Paul has been working on various Braille technologies for a very long time, and has um, personally inspired a great many other people outside of India whom I've spoken to and who've seen his specific technologies. On the screen, I think I have a... No, that's the next one. Um, so I'm just going to show the ones who I was able to see. So here, so the Touche is is a very exciting possible competitor for the Orbit readers and similar priced um, devices. Um, 
It's a six dot or eight dot. He's made it eight dot. I think entirely because someone once told him he couldn't, he couldn't make it eight dots, it wouldn't be worth it, so he went and made it eight dot. <laughs> um, it's solid braille, which I, I, I have noticed almost everyone who's developing new technologies for threshold braille now is going for solid braille. And the focus seems to be on trying to make braille which is easier to read for, um, for new braille learners as opposed to focusing on very sort of sophomore, maybe more tactile um, braille for people who are very experienced already. Now, after eight years of developing this as a lone inventor, this is now starting to come um, to the point where it can be trialed and it's going to be trialed in India and hopefully in Spain. I'm trying to make it trialed in the UK as well. I think it deserves, I'm using this as an example of one of a good three or four pieces of, um, of inventions which deserve to be trialed in the States, both for the benefits of people over here and for the, um, the technology itself. Now, according to Paul, uh, the, until the price of the unit drops to a fraction, even of those available, made available by the Touche or, or the, the, um, the, the Orbit or, or even my own Canute, which is significantly more expensive, but still, all these things might be reducing the price, but until it becomes a fraction of that, it will be very difficult to distribute this unless you're going through what uh, he described as a benefactor-institution relationship. So this is you find an institution such as a college who have an interest in um, in devices for their students, and you, and that partners up with a um, a a corporate sponsor. And I saw this again and again in the pool from the Snahadeep Trust also mentioned this. This is the ideal way of getting technology out to the most number of people is to have a corporate sponsor and a local institution. Now there are other projects which um, Paul's able to introduce me to. There is, um, there is a project from IIT Delhi which seems very promising using shape memory alloys. I've not seen it. I can't say anything more about that at all. Um, there is of course Braille Me which we are all very pleased to see at um, CSUN and it looks very exciting indeed. Um, now, there is something called the Project Mudra, which I would like to talk a little bit about because I have seen that one. And this is a device a little bit like the Taptillo. If anyone's had a chance to see the Taptillo, it's down in the, um, the event stand. It's a really interesting new device for teaching Braille. Well, the Project Mudra, and this is an early prototype I found a picture for on the screen. I don't have one to show you, but I can introduce anyone to these guys. Um, it's a device for learning braille. It has one large cell of braille and one very small cell of braille. And it has a Perkins keyboard and it reads back to you. But the most interesting thing is the, the holes at the bottom, which are for learning um, how to make braille characters with a slate. So you type in inversely using um, the holes in the bottom with a stylus, and then the Annie will tell you whether you're getting that right or wrong, and we'll show that on the um, on, on display itself. This is still a prototype. So um, I would also like to mention, I think, it's that there is there is development going on still with um, piezo electrospace. Now this is not a new device, this is the Braille Nietzsche 32. This, now I went travelled to Pune, I was um, very generously um, flown over there by um, by Raghunanda and Yoshi from the um, from Modular Infotech. Now they uh, specialize in English, in Indian, various Indian language support. Uh, of course, this illustrates um, one of the more one of the complexities for anyone who is interested in distributing something into India is it's not just multilingual support. Um, 
it's multilingual support for far more languages than you might get in Canada, for example. Um, so they support 12 Indian languages and English and some several varieties of Arabic. And they make two different braille displays based off Metec pins. And these, this one here is a 32 cell one. It's, a, it's about 10 inches by 10 inches. It's very stripped down. It has a few buttons on top. It's, a built, it's got built-in e-book reader. It's six dot and they sell it for around about $2,500, which is not bad, but it's not available anywhere outside of India that I'm aware of. And I really, again, I just want to keep reiterating, I think some of these things deserve to be. And I think we would benefit, those, who, those of us who, who, who are not in India would benefit from trialing these things out. So I should also point out that um, Modular are not doing this primarily for the profit, as indeed none of us are. This is very much a labour of love, as it was with all the people I spoke with. So um, uh, Modular and um, Raghunandan, they described to me very briefly what, what they thought was the, the model, if you were looking at, at um, distributing some refreshable braille technology in India, whether, you, whether you're already... Um, uh, working there or not, he said, well, in the short term, you're not going to import very many of the sorts of prices that anything is at the moment. You're looking at a, a few dozen sales if you can, if you can, the prices stay as they are. Medium term, though, if you can move production for, to India, avoid tariffs and, and, and other complexities like that, these things can start to become more affordable if you can partner up with sponsors. Uh, again, I'm, I'm reporting almost verbatim uh, here. Uh, and the longer term, which I find most interesting is reconsidering the design of these products to reduce the, the, the size of, the, of the, um, the lines, but maybe adding multiple lines and, um, and eventually trying to get the cost down for Freshwell Braille down to, um, and they quoted $160 or less. So there's a challenge for everyone. Uh, obviously, of course, um, there, are extra, uh, there is um, extra support for languages important and the, uh, the importance of it being worked as a standalone device. So I'd like to move to the Worth Trust, which is one of the main reasons I went, um, I went over to Valor. The Worth Trust, I don't know how many of you know that all the Perkins are made in India. None of them are made in Watertown anymore. They've all been made in India since the 90s. No one, well, I'm sure they are being shy, but... Um, they're all made by the Worth Trust, which is run, um, employs an entirely disabled workforce, almost entirely disabled workforce. A great many blind people work on the production lines and they produce Perkins brailers, but I think, I think almost every car made in India has some components made in that, in that facility. Now, um, I'll skip through this a little bit. I think it's just interesting for people to know about the, um, the way that these things are being produced. They make the Perkins classic, and it will surprise no one that that's still by far away their most popular model. They do make the, um, the smart brailers, although that production line hadn't been operating for a while when I went down there. But, um, now, they also make these slates and styluses that I've been seeing everywhere. So I've been, I've been traveling to all sorts of different places and think, well, how, how come I can get a, a 27 by 27 or something like that line just uh, for 100 rupees? Um, and it's, it all came from the Worth Trust. And I, I just, it kept coming back to me that it's, it was, it's 
premature for places like the United Kingdom to allow state societies to fall out of use, at least until we come up with a replacement. So we, we need something like a more affordable typewriter or something like a, a slate and stylus, unless we, and certainly we could do with getting the cost down a little lower. So um, for purchasing material um, for uh, the around 70, 75% of blind children are in government-run schools. Now this, this, this again, I'm reporting verbatim what I was described by um, Mike from the Worth Trust, who was very generous with giving me his time, giving me a tour around. There is government funding to distribute equipment to, um, to blind people free of charge through the National Institute of Visually, uh, Visually Handicapped and the Artificial Limb Center. Now, this can be up to around $200 equivalent if I've got this, if I've got my conversions at the time right, without that many, without it being that many questions asked around it. But if it's more than that, then the the the, the uh, manufacturers have to be registered. So if you're interested in something and you can't make a refreshable braille display or something like that for the magical $160 price point, then you'll need to look into that. This compares to a quota of around 300 in the States, of course, for those of you who work with quota. And finally, of course, I went. I really wanted to see what is still the bedrock of barrel use in uh, across all of India and indeed across everywhere else in the world, which is the braille presses. Um, so I had been visiting braille libraries and braille schools, and at one memorable occasion, braining myself on a sign and being stitched up by a braille uh, a, a doctor from a, um, a blind school, and. All of these, all of the books uh, in the particular places I went to had come from something called the CFBI, which is run, which I, I tracked down. I got in contact with uh, Dr. Sam George, and he gave me a tour around. They make, they use very old-fashioned and extremely reliable uh, procedures using the Marlberg embosser. So this is okay, a keyboard input stamped into zinc sheet, and um, and in the middle of this, you have an upright three-dot embosser. Anyone who's interested in this stuff, I'm really interested. But I don't want to take all your time. I don't know how many people really like old-school printing presses and so on. Um, so Sam um, and I talked a bit about what his opinion on, on state of Birmingham. And, and it was, he, he was not necessarily enthused, I have to say. Um, Sam was not optimistic about bow use in India and the direction it was taken. He actually regarded it. And this was, came across more strongly than some of the other people I spoke to, but he regarded it as dying out, but largely because of alternative technologies like free CD players, um, presumably given out to wider, wider access to audiobooks and so on. That's, that's, that was his take on this. The CFBI, of course, um, share the conviction that this process needs to be halted or reversed. It cannot be unchallenged, certainly. To that end, they provide books on demand for schools. They'll also provide books essentially for free when needs be, when there are no other options. And they've taken it upon themselves, seeing a decline in the, this demand, to go out to schools and tell teachers about the importance of Braille. They have found, whilst visiting schools, that even amongst some specialist schools, Braille is only really taught in the lower years. Um, and that does chime with what I was told elsewhere. So I don't want to end on that necessarily un, un, not positive note, because, like I said, this is a snapshot. But what I did get, essentially, from the people I spoke to, and I was trying to speak to people who who made it their business to, to dedicate their lives to promoting barrel use, even when it was seriously inconveniencing them, like having to type out, one, one woman typing out 15 different students' barrel type, uh, barrel, uh, textbooks in Braille on a Perkins. Um, 
So what could I report of that? Well, there was a great deal of pessimism amongst those, amongst those people, amongst the people who were people like Sam and, um, and, and like Paul. Um, and a great deal of pessimism about the future of Braille use in India at the present um, in the face of official ambivalence and declining uh, Braille use in schools in some places. Um, but there was, of course, also a great deal of inventiveness. And um, I have to say that, especially those new technologies coming out, I think the, the, the potential today is greater, that I think it's more likely that technologies coming out of India are more likely to come out in an impact on the rest of us than the other way around in the near future. That's, that's, my, that's my estimation. Um, so I really took away um, we, the, the importance of slates at the moment and, and, and how that is, that, that is really the, the primary barrel technology still being used. The desire for more affordable um, type, uh, a sort of a brailer device, a typewriter. The importance of um, pairing up corporation, uh, corporate sponsorship with institutes uh, that actually sponsor barrel use. Um, and the, um, the, the consistent figure across many different people that something under $200 is the sweet spot if you wanted to promote some sort of professional values, which is an alarming figure for me, but I like a challenge, right? Um, but really, I was just very excited about the new technologies coming out. There's things like um, the Touche, like the Braille, like um, Project Mujer. I think these sorts of things are going to come out of India rather than external stuff going in. And I really would recommend that anyone who thinks about, oh, maybe, maybe I could do with some technology which is actually a little more affordable and I want to be ahead of this. If you want to trial some of these things, please ask me. I can put you in contact with some, some people who are very interested, like Modular Infotech, um, like Paul, in trialing in America, in Europe. So thank you very much. Ed Rogers of Bristol Braille Technology CIC, a fellow of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust, presenting at the CSUN conference in 2018. Bringing to a close this episode of Braillecast, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you liked this episode of Braillecast, to subscribe. You can search for Braillecast in any of the major podcast apps. It's also on the Sonata. It's on the uh, In Your Pocket platform for people who know that. The Real Sam skill for Google Home. We're on there now. Uh, you can also find us at Braillecast.com. If you've got any feedback, then send us an email to news at Braillecast.com. The Braillists Foundation can be found at Braillists.org. Bristol Braille Technology CIC at bristolbraille.co.uk and the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust at wcmt.org.uk. Don't forget also to subscribe to the Braillists Foundation newsletter. You can do that at braillists.org slash newsletter. There will be some more Braillists Foundation masterclasses coming up and more information about those will be published in due course. For now, though, I've been Matthew Horsball. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Hold up. 